for those that are new, I'm Pastor Daniel. This is my amazing wife, Amanda. Hello. And I am excited uh, to get to talk about relationships. I should be excited. I picked the topic, so this kind of helps. But um, I wrote this, and at first when you say relationships in church, a lot of times we think, okay, that's just for the married people. Um, but that's not true. First off, um, having a good relationship doesn't start once you get married. There's a whole bunch of things you should be learning long before that. But good marriages, good relationships are built with good relationship skills. And if you are breathing, you need relationship skills. Unless your goal is to live under a rock in the absolute middle of nowhere, in which case you're not going to hear this message, so it doesn't matter. But, <laughs> but, but we need these skills. And so often in life, people want to grow their relationships without growing their relationship skills. And the closer your relationship, the more important that the skills are. And so, yes, some of this will focus or get to some marriage stuff because that's a really close relationship. But if you want to succeed in relationships with friends, families, business people, uh, customers, employers, relationships, relationship <laughs> skills matter. You're here to bail me out when my tongue doesn't want to work right. You're doing great. But, uh, but it... it it, it's so important, and I was, I was reading uh, just the other day in a book, and he tested a theory out on accident. And he goes through, and uh, he, he's writing a, a book, His Needs, Her Needs. It's been out for a long time. It's a great book. But he said he started a dating service, and he got, I don't know, like 500 people using this dating service, and he made a discovery. He said that almost without exception, these people lack skills in meeting other people's needs, Yet they eagerly sought someone who would be highly skilled in meeting their needs. Um, and they complained that they only met selfish and insensitive people. Of course, they couldn't see their own selfishness and insensitivity. And, and he just saw this problem, and then he goes, you know, what would happen, instead of just trying to introduce two people who have no relationship skills, I tried to teach them how to meet other people's needs. He did. And those that took him up on it, he said it was a huge success and they didn't need his dating service anymore. Um, but it was just this, this thing of just looking at how easy it is to want to be in relationship but not work on the skills to develop healthy relationships. So tonight, it's our goal. We got like three categories written down and we'll see how far we make it. But to look at a couple of these skills or sections where you can have relationship skills that will help you bring your relationships to the next level. And hopefully, um, yeah, wherever that's at, they can grow and improve. Yeah, and that's even true just with friendships. You know, we worked with youth for years, and it was very common for them to come and say, I don't have any friends. Nobody wants to be friends with me. It's like, well, you have to show yourself friendly. There's three of you all sitting alone. Why don't you go say hi? You know, and it's just those little things, you know, when you're younger that you learn, and it's the same thing as we get older. It's just building on those relationship skills. Yeah, it's fun as a parent. You watch your kids do stuff that's stupid. Like, it's just a thing. Like, they're little, and they do something that's stupid. And you're like, okay, that's, you're five. That's expected. Like, and then you go out somewhere, and you see an adult, and you're like, 
you're an old five. Like, <laughs> like sometimes we, we age, but we forget to grow up. And, and so looking and deciding on purpose that we want to grow up in all of these different areas. So number one, if you're a note taker, is valuing the other person. Uh, Philippians chapter two, verse three says, do not think, uh, do nothing from selfless ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now he gives this command to all of us as Christians. And so this is, this is huge. This goes far, far beyond marriage and it super impacts marriage. But when you have a relationship, it is very easy. In fact, our society says, I will meet your needs after you meet mine. Here, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And this is kind of like the motto for our world, but it is not the motto for Christians. Yeah, it's such a hard thing to remember because inherently we're selfish. And it's very easy to understand where you're coming from in a situation and to make excuses for ourselves. But it's very hard to look at the other person and say, hmm, what do you need? How can I value you? How can I lay myself down for you? What do you need? And it's a mind shift that has to take place. Um, and I, I talk to people all the time when they're, when they're in a relationship or when they're getting married and they're like, you know what? Like, I'm going to do this part, and they're going to do this part. And they get this, like, idea that they're going to have an amazing relationship with a 50-50 split. That doesn't work. If you have a great relationship that's based on a 50-50 split, don't hold your breath. (laughs) Because it's simply a matter of time before one of you does something stupid, before one of you makes a mistake, before one of you does not meet the expectations of the other person. And if it's based on a 50-50 split, it goes great until it doesn't. And then as soon as somebody makes a mistake, then it's going, well, you didn't meet my need, so I'm not going to meet your need. You only met 40% of my, you know, so I'm only going to put in 40%. And then they only put in 30% because they're annoyed because now you're not doing your part. And then, well, that's it. I'm only putting in 30%. And pretty quick, it just like spirals downhill. But it's such a common and you think about vows. It says in sickness and in health and, and good and in bad and for richer or for poorer. That means at some point somebody could get sick. If you're sick, can you give your all? No. If there's some situation happens or somebody loses their job and they're not able to give and to be there for the richer. Now you're in the poorer section, you know, like if you really break those down and you think about it, it's like, oh, I do have to fully give my all at all times because there's gonna be times where the other person can't. And when you have that mindset of believing the best about each other and being there to lift each other up, it totally changes things. Jesus says it this way. He said, even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give, him, give his life as a ransom for many. And he set this example of going, hey, we're gonna, I'm gonna lay my life down for you. And in fact, in marriage, he tells the husbands, likewise, uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And if we go a little bit further, he says in Romans 5.8 that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait and go, when you get perfect, I'll love you. He goes, no, I'm going to love you right here, right now, right where you're at, in all your mess, and I'm going to meet this. And I, I started looking at this and realizing what happens in so many relationships is we get two people going, 
we're going to get together and I'm going to take happiness from you. Like, I'm going to get my happiness from you. And so when we go in and I try to take all my happiness from her and she tries to take all of her happiness from me, what we end up with is two very empty, miserable people. But when we get two people who go, hey, can I contribute to your happiness? Can I help you? Can I pour into you? When this is all said and done, we end up with two very happy and very fulfilled people. And this is true in marriage. This is true in friendship. This is true in business. A couple years ago, or a lot of years ago. ago. Okay. (laughs) But we we got involved. There was someone uh, hooked us up with some vitamins. And they ended up being like a multi-market level vitamins. But I'm like, I'll try the vitamins. They were amazing. And we're like, okay, like, this is really cool. You tell me if I sell these, I can get enough. If I sell enough of them, I'll get them for free. If I like something, I cannot help but sell it. Like, there's just something about me. If I like it, I should share it. And so I'm like, shoot, for telling people that I like something, you're going to give it to me for free? I'm like, bring it on. And so... We were loving this and you could take them and within days you could feel the difference of these vitamins. And then we'd been on this for a little while and we were starting to get a discount on our vitamins. I'm like, this is great because I'm going to take these anyways. And all of a sudden they stopped working. And then you'd like go to like scoop the powder to put in your drink and it used to be a nice fine powder. Now you'd go to like scoop it and it would like all turn to clump. And we're like, what is going on? And so... We talked to the person who'd, who'd hooked us up with them originally and they're talking to people who hooked them up and finds out that there's the guy who like formulated it and then there's the people who had all the money. The people who had all the money were like, you know what, this is going great, but we could make more money if you would put in more filler. So put in more like apple pulp into the product. I mean, technically it still has the same active ingredients, just now has a lot more inactive ingredients. And pretty quick, they're going, we're just going to take and we can get more if we take more from people and give them less. But we looked and we're like, no, farewell. (laughs) Bon voyage. But it's this thing where when we get into a relationship, whether it's a marriage relationship, whether it's a business transaction, or even a friendship, when we try to just take from people, we end up emptying the relationship. We end up draining and killing the relationship when we get too self-centered. And it's, it's a human tendency that we tend to look more to ourselves. Uh, Dale Carnegie, uh, he, he cited a study from the New York telephone company. Apparently this was back before it was illegal for them to eavesdrop. But in the 1930s, they did a detailed study of like uh, 500 different telephone conversations and said, what is the most commonly used word? I. Everybody wants to talk about them. And it's a really important thing if you can realize that people's favorite subject is them. Their second favorite subject is everything that they're good at. Third is everything they know a lot about. Like, this is, this is what people like to talk about. And, and it recognized it, but so many people go into the conversation trying to get you to want to listen to them. And he just made this, this observation. He goes, you will make more friends in a moment if you will try to get interested in the other person than trying to make the other person interested in you. And this is across the board. But we do it with friends. We do it in business. We do it in dating. 
And it's this simple thing that when we make a shift and we go, hey, can I begin to focus on the other? Can I begin to value and encourage and lift you up rather than try to push off of you that it begins to change the nature of our relationship? And especially I've noticed in marriage relationships, it is so looked down upon to take care of your spouse or to love them well. I was, heard this lady, she was talking about how she always cooks her husband a warm lunch. He doesn't really care for sandwiches and he doesn't like leftovers. So every day she makes him a fresh hot lunch. And she got ripped apart for that. She, everybody was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you do that. He's so spoiled. Da, 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 da. What are you? What are, were we back in the 1920s or a little housewife has to stand in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant? Like just all of these like negative comments. And so she got back on and was talking again. And she's like, why? Why as women do we eat each other instead of uplift each other? If I were telling you how much time I spent at my job and how I just got promoted, even though I took another 10 hours a week away from my family, I would be applauded for that. If I told you about all the things I do to accomplish something outside of my family, everyone would be clapping and applauding me. But when I tell you something I do to love my husband well, you tear me apart. She said, do you know that in the last 10 years, I've only put gas in my car twice? Because I don't like to do it. So my husband does it for me. And what is the typical thing you hear from men? It's, oh, lost your man card. Whenever the man tries to do something for his wife or he tries to be sweet to her. There's all of these just awful sayings that people use to tear down other people just for trying to love their family well. Well, we live in a world where I think it's an insecurity and it's going, if you take good care of your wife, maybe my wife will hear about it and realize I don't take good care of her. Yeah. So let me put you down. And, and I remember somebody, I was helping with some more domestic tasks around the house and just helping because she needed help and doing different things. And, and they were like, oh, you're going to make a great wife someday. I'm like, shut up. Just because you, <laughs> like, I'm like, what, what is your problem with somebody who will take the time and put in the effort to value their spouse? But we live in a culture that says, no, you're going to go into that and try to get as much as you can. But... But part of the thing you have to recognize is the way that culture does it doesn't work. Because they'll look at you and they'll give you a hard time for actually treasuring and valuing your spouse and looking to see how you can meet their needs. But they're complaining about you doing that while they have an insanely high divorce rate. They're not the best people to listen to. And they're going through here, but when we look, and, and it's, it's really easy to value for the other person what you already valued. But they're different than you. And sometimes we need to stop and go, how can I value them? What is it that they need? And I can't tell you how often people will get in there like, oh yeah, I listen to them, I value them, but as soon as that person says something that they disagree with, they're like, oh, that's just ridiculous. You don't actually need that. You don't actually want that. Um, yeah, people are quick to make sacrifices when it comes to other things. Like, oh, I want to go back to school. So I'm going to have to now work during the day, take care of the house, and do schoolwork. That's a huge sacrifice for a family. And you see that, and people are like, oh, wow, I'm so proud of her. Like, she's going back to school. She's getting her degree. But 
those same sacrifices that we do for education or for our work to get more money should be the same things we think about when we're going to be investing in our relationships, when we're investing in our friendships, when we're investing in our kids. Yeah, so I was, I was writing this point down and I was like thinking about how easy it is to discount what your spouse communicates or what the person that you're in a relationship communicates if it's different than your needs or desires. And I'm like writing this down and like thinking about my examples and writing them out and I give her a phone call and I think actually she called me and I answer the phone, but when I answer, she is in the middle of correcting or educating the children. <laughs> she is walking them through this point on the phone. So I'm just like, I am just going to listen. Like she's preaching the message right here. Like, do you, I don't know if you want to go for it. So their kids were watching a movie in the van while I was driving. And Esther was saying how she thought that this movie was too scary for her. And the boys are trying to convince her that it's not too scary. That it's fine, that this isn't a scary part. You can't possibly be scared during this. And I'm explaining to them that her feelings matter. And that you don't get to tell her that something's not scary to her. If she says it's scary, then it's scary. And you can't try to convince somebody of something that you're not her. So you don't get to tell her that. And we were just kind of walking through how it's important to value her and to make her feel important. And if she's not comfortable watching this, then it needs to change and it needs to be turned off. And they were going back and forth with me, no, no, no. And so then we got talking about how if you thought something was scary and nobody was listening to you, how would you feel? You would feel unheard and that can make you feel unloved and then you feel unsafe. And how when somebody says that something they feel a certain way or that they don't like a certain thing, you're not in their brain and you don't get to tell them that they don't. And it's, it's such a thing that happens so often in relationship. And with our kids, it was fear in a movie. But in, in a relationship, it can be, hey, I don't like um, doing this activity. Hey, I need more quality time. Hey, I need more quality touch. Hey, I don't like it when you dress like that, wear that. There's so many different ways that this can go down. But it's so easy to go, well, that's ridiculous. And, and to go, well, I don't need to listen because I don't think that that's valid. But if that's how they feel and you value them, then you have to value that that's how they feel, even if their feelings are crazy. And that, that's just like a, 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 a crazy thing. I, I remember um, my, my father sharing a story uh, in their own marriage. They'd been married for a couple years and he said marriage was amazing. He was loving it. And then my mom came to him one day and said, our marriage is horrible. It is broken. And he's like, what do you mean? She's like, I don't know, but it's broken and you need to fix it. And he was just like dumbfounded, but he was determined to value her even if he didn't get it, even if his needs were being met because her needs obviously weren't. And he went and just picked up like every marriage book that the bookstore had, every cassette tape, because this was a while ago, and he went through them, and he said he was going through one of these books, and, and he, he's reading, and it was telling him, you know, about some of the differences between guys and girls, and the way that guys tend to think about this, and the way that girls think about this, and he reads the girls' section, he's like, this is so stupid, that's crazy, no one thinks like that, and he's like, check this out, Jeannie, look at what he thinks, and she's like, that's it, <laughs> that's what's wrong, and he just is like, Oh no. <laughs> but it's so easy in that spot to go, you couldn't possibly actually be thinking that. 
Because that's so foreign to me. You couldn't possibly need more talking. We talk so much. You couldn't possibly need more quality time because I have made all of this time for you. You couldn't possibly need more sex. You couldn't possibly need more of, and you can go through this list of these different things, or you couldn't possibly have been dishonored by that because I didn't mean for it to be dishonoring. You couldn't possibly be feeling unloved because I didn't mean to be unloving. And it's so easy to discount what they're communicating because it doesn't make sense to you. But if we value them, we have to decide that we're going to value their opinion even if it's different, even if it's weird, even if it's wrong. And, and this can be a shocker because there is, maybe it's just me, I'm competitive. Um, if you don't know me, I'm a little bit competitive. Um, but as a competitive human, when you get into a conversation, it is very quickly in your mind to have side A and side B and you want to win. If you don't understand this, that's okay. There's a bunch of people like me in there and a bunch of people that married someone like me and they're looking. Okay, so, but there is this tendency to want to battle this out to decide who's right. But if you do that, you lose. Because even if you win the argument, you're damaging the relationship and you're saying that being right is more important than them. And when I value them, I get to value them even if they're wrong. So what if it's not really scary, but they feel scared? So what if I've been spending lots of quality time with her and I'm confident of it? Well, if she feels like I'm not, and we had this, it's been a long time, but I was, I was sure that I was spending enough quality time but her definition of what counted as quality time had changed. So I am like checking my chart and you're like, no, I am doing my good job. I am being a good husband. <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah, she didn't even realize what was wrong until she just kept complaining about everything. And then I tried to fix everything she complained about and it didn't help. She complained about more things. And so I tried to fix those. And finally I was like, God, help me. <laughs> what? is wrong with this woman. <laughs> like, <laughs> or me. Like, I, I am trying so hard. And God's like, forget the list. But I'm like, that's what she gave me to do. And he goes, go play a game with her. I'm like, that's easier than the list. <laughs> it was mind-blowing. And afterwards, she's like, oh, that's what I needed. But I didn't realize, and if, if I was to write it off because I said, oh, no, I did these different things. I did all of the things that you asked, and then I sat down for an hour and a half and watched this movie with you, and I did this, and I did that. But it didn't count, and it wasn't for me. And if I was doing it because I wanted her to have a great marriage, then it doesn't matter if I was doing the right thing, that matters is, was it working? And a lot of times we want to defend that we were right rather than going, I want you to enjoy being in a relationship with me. And when we get caught in our, our rightness, we miss the point. 
and we look, and, and so often there's these different dreams, there's different desires that we each have. And we have to recognize, I want her to fulfill her desires, and I am the only husband she gets. If in any relationship, you get to decide, do I care if you get your desires met elsewhere? This is true in a friendship. This is true in acquaintance. This is true in business. This is true in marriage. As an acquaintance, I don't care that you get your desires met elsewhere. You're like, hey, we're going to go out to eat. And you're like, I want to go here. I don't want to go there. Be blessed. I don't care. The closer the relationship, the more of a life that we want to share, the more that I'm going to have to start caring that you get those desires met here. As a business person, you get to decide, do I care if my customers go elsewhere? You're like, hey, I'm going to meet these needs, and if they get some other need met elsewhere, that's fine, but I don't want them to leave these needs somewhere else. In marriage, there's a ton of needs that I want to make sure are met with me. And those can be um, really personal that need to stay between a husband and wife. And then there's just simple things like if she wants to have a bearded dragon, as long as she's married to me, that means I'm stuck with a bearded dragon. But I get to decide if this is one of her dreams and values, I may not value it, but do I value her? And Loves we get, that bearded dragon. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so easy to write these different things off when we want to go, all right, I want to value you. Um, you go for it. One of the things that it makes me think about too is when you think how does God talk about marriage in the Bible? He compares marriage, and he uses the church as an example. He calls us his bride. That is a marriage term. And so when I think about, okay, he's comparing it to marriage, and then when he's talking about marriage, he's telling the husband to lay down his life for his wife like Christ did for the church. And he's asking the wife to submit herself as unto the Lord. And it makes you stop and decide, okay, if God is really comparing this, is he watching my relationship to see how my relationship with him could be? Could this be a reflection of my relationship with the Lord? And when I stop and I look at Daniel, not just as Daniel, but as a representation of the Lord, that changes the way I want to behave towards him. It changes the way I want to treat him. Because a lot of times when you stop and think, okay, if Jesus walked in the door right now, <laughs> up a little straighter. I might, you know, I might worship a little harder if he was on the stage. You know, it's like easy to think about that. But when you stop and you realize in your relationship, God called us all to be ambassadors of Christ. He said that we're all made in his image. So every relationship you have, each person is somehow in some facet, a representation of God. Their personality is somehow a piece of who God is. Because each one of us are a representation. And when you think about it that way, then the people that annoy you, <laughs> you think, it makes you stop and go, hmm, is there a piece of you, Lord, that annoys me? Is that, do I want to say that? <laughs> How can I change the way I'm thinking about that? If I think about, oh, my relationship with my husband is a representation of my relationship with the Lord, is that how I want my relationship with God to look? Am I proud of that? Mm-hmm. And it makes it even easier, I feel like, for me <laughs> to make those sacrifices and to when the selfishness arises, to say, mm, nope, because I love God 
and I love my husband, and I want to honor both of them. And I want my relationship with my husband to reflect my relationship with the Lord and for them both to be honoring. Before we, we get to the next point, there's, there's one like, point in our marriage that I think was really <clears throat> a key moment that took our relationship from being good to being great. Uh, there was a day, and we had, it was in our first like, year of marriage, that she was annoyed. And you're like, something's wrong. She's like, it's nothing. You ever had a woman say that to you? And you know they're lying through their teeth. And so you're just looking, and you're like, Something's wrong. It's nothing. Something is clearly wrong. It was stupid. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> so you're like, but, and she said that. It's stupid. I don't want to say it. I'm like, I don't care if it's stupid. Something is bothering you. And she, she, she responded to me. She goes, but I know that it's wrong. I said, but it's still bothering you. Tell me. And, and she goes through and she's like, there's a girl that, that we, that, that's great. I know you don't, you're not actually interested in her, but it, this bothers me. She just made me uncomfortable. I said, all right. She was, she was right in that she was wrong, but there was nothing, but she was bothered. So I just looked and said, oh, there's nothing, what would you like me to do? Would you like me to have her step down? Would you like me, because someone that we did some work with, would you like me to see her yell black plague and run to the other side of the room? Like, what do you want me to do? And, and she responded that, um, uh, no, no, that's fine. You just, just don't play foosball with her. Okay. Anything else? But, she knew that she was wrong. And when I took the time to say, it doesn't matter that you're wrong, if it bothers you, if this is how you feel, then I want to change. That changed everything. And I can't tell you how many times I have had conversations with married couples and they're all upset because they expressed their needs and desires to their spouse and their spouse was like, ah, that's not that important. And while they're complaining, they're doing something that their spouse told me that they didn't like. And they're like, oh, doesn't really matter. And we have to decide, is my right to be right, my right to do whatever I want, more important than my spouse? Because if, if in a relationship we value them, then we have to recognize that what we're doing impacts them. How we're communicating. Uh, some of my favorite books go through some of the differences between male and female. When you get into a relationship, there's differences because there's two humans involved. As soon as you get into a male-female relationship, you're starting out with massive differences. And then we complain that they're different. We have to recognize I married someone who was different than me on purpose. They have different needs. And I want to meet those needs. And it changes things. All right. Number two. If you're taking notes, we made it to point two. Um, Barely. That's right. We made it. Cover. You want to cover those that you are in a relationship with. Proverbs 17, 
Um, verse 9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats the matter separates close friends. I feel like I should just let you just run this one. <laughs> I just think it's so important, and I hear it so often as a woman. I think it's very has been very common over the years to overhear women bashing their husbands. And it's this, uh, <laughs> this one woman was talking to a group of other women and I happened to be there and she's like, my husband is such a moron. He left all, he saw all these toys in the middle of the floor. She was very pregnant. And she, he knows that I could trip and fall. He doesn't even care if I fall and break my neck. I'm like, if you really think your husband thinks it's okay that you should fall and break your neck, you should probably run. Like, that's borderline abuse. But if you, <laughs> if you really believed that, but that's not true. She just wanted to complain because there was stuff in the middle of the floor and she wanted him to see it and move it. But he's not giant pregnant, so guess what he did? He walked around it. He wasn't thinking to himself, oh, I hope my wife falls and breaks her neck. <laughs> Sucker. He just, it didn't affect him. So he walked around it. But she was already assigning motive and blame and calling him a moron and making sure everybody knows that she thinks he's a moron. So now all of these women are, oh, yeah, oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe what my husband did. And then we have, like, this whole session of everybody talking about how stupid their husbands are because they did this, that, or the other thing. And 95% of the things were things that their husbands had no clue about, like the things on the floor. Like, if they bothered you, say, hey, honey, could you pick them up? But... <laughs> It's very common for us women to say, he should just know. How many times have you heard that? <laughs> uh-huh. Everybody's going, yeah. <laughs> it's very common to think, well, why doesn't he just notice? A, he's a man that makes him different. B, he's different than you. Even in friendships or when you do your job, think about how many times you would do things a certain way, but somebody else does it completely different, and you think to yourself, why are they doing it like this? It's so much better my way. But you just have to tell them, offer suggestions, ask for help. It's okay to say, hey, honey, could you move that? I need help with the dishes. I need help with vacuuming. And not just say, well, he sees all the dishes. In the so? If he's not cleaning them, he doesn't get it. Men don't take hints. Amen. I feel like we've all heard that so many times. <laughs> but it's so true. And, trying to, and it's the same thing for women. I hear men complain about different things, but they're not actually communicating their needs to their spouse. They're just complaining about their spouse to other people. If their wife actually heard what the complaint was, she might actually be able to change it. And we often use other people to try to rally support for our side rather than cover our spouse, rather than cover. And in Proverbs where it lists this, it's not even really talking about marriage. It's talking about in relationship in general because this is a relationship principle that's true in every relationship and is, is multiplied inside of marriage. And when, when so often, I mean, in 1 Corinthians, it tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. But most of us keep a record and share it with anyone and everyone. And we want to make sure that you know that their list of offenses is longer than my list of offenses. So let me point out all the things that he forgot and all the things that he did or all the things that she forgot she didn't do. Um, and, and try to rally support. We, were, we went to eat with a couple uh, years ago, and they asked us a question in the middle of dinner, and we're eating a nice dinner, and, and we answer the question. All of a sudden, one of them jumps up from the table and goes, See, I told you! I'm like, what is going on? We apparently were refing a fight. We didn't know what was happening. Um, but they had, like, 
taking notes on like whose side is whose and all of a sudden every question that we answer is we didn't know that we were like they were trying to see whose side we would take and what what it tells us is that our job as as a couple is to cover each other my job is to encourage her to strengthen her to build her up and if in life we encourage those that are the closest to us, if we strengthen them, build them up, cover their, their offenses, people will want to be around you. But so often when we whine and complain and then we're like, why doesn't they want to spend time with me? And I, I've talked to people who, who come home and go straight to the TV because any and every interaction that they've had with their spouse tends to be a complaining session or tends to be ammo for them to complain about them. And so they try to avoid the eggshells by turning on the TV as a Band-Aid rather than work through some of these things. But when we let it be a, and expose them to hide myself, um, it deteriorates and it creates distance rather than creating intimacy. Yeah. And when you think about covering somebody, and I think about, again, my relationship with the Lord and... I want to be more like God. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to make him proud. I want him to know that I love him and honor him and bring him glory. Well, what is God? Who is he? The Bible tells us he is love. And when you look at that 1 Corinthians 13 and you see the whole list and you see that, oh, love doesn't keep record of wrongs. So if I dare to do that, I'm saying I'm not walking in what God has for me. And it helps me to change my mindset to say, ooh, nope, not going to do that. And it helps me to say, how can I cover you? Because think about how many times God has covered you. Think about how many times you've sinned or messed up or said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing and how quick. I mean, we don't have to do penance. We don't say, oh, God, forgive me, and I need nine lashes. Oh, God, forgive me, and I'll talk to you again in nine days. I won't look up and ashes on my head. God immediately forgives us. It's done. And we get to immediately go back into his presence and bring forth his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And it's the same thing with our relationships. We need to be quick to forgive, and we also need to be quick to cover. And it's much better to make excuses for someone than it is to try to blame someone. And it's, the relationship is so much better when you try to always assume the best. Yes. If there's a situation and you're like, oh... There's always two sides. You can always find the negative or you can find the positive. And it's a choice that has to be made. When you see, oh, the dishes aren't done, you can say, oh, my gosh, he's so lazy. He doesn't ever want to help around here. He just thinks I can do everything. Or you can say, oh, he must have been really busy. Or maybe he didn't see it. Hmm, I wonder all the things he is doing that I didn't notice. And we have to try to make that choice, take our thoughts captive that try to make us blame mm -hmm. and get angry with our spouse and turn those to gratefulness. And a lot of times when we stop and we think, hmm, what is going on in their life? What have they been doing that maybe I didn't notice? It changes from this attitude of just grump to this gratefulness and thankfulness for our spouse and for our other relationships as well. And instead of trying to figure out why they didn't do what I want, it's, hmm, I wonder what they are doing that I'm not seeing. It's so good. And, and to say that we're supposed to cover our spouse doesn't mean that you can't get help. Yeah. Like if, if you've got issues and you need to work through something, but when you take your issues to someone who's not going to help and you just complain about your issues or you vent about your issues, that doesn't help. That's exposing your spouse 
That's exposing those around you, not covering them. I had a friend who was engaged and ended up breaking off the engagement because the, um, his fiance would vent to her family. Whenever something went wrong, she would go and vent. Then they would work it out. She wouldn't tell them about that. Then next time they had a problem, she would go and vent. And then they'd work it out. She wouldn't tell them about that. And then the next time they had a problem, she would vent. So pretty soon, they don't ever see any, any health or healing. All they see is you had problem A, B, C, D, E, F, G. They don't hear that, oh, wait, that one turned out to be a miscommunication. It was actually your fault. That one turned out to be this. That one, they were quick to repair. Like, they just got the problem. And all of a sudden, so what kind of advice does she get? And all of a sudden, it skewed everything. And that's so common. And you'll hear people uh, say this. Are we still mad at them? And they, they get this like, we're a team and they don't even have the full picture. And it's so easy when we spread the hurt and the offense and then it ends up being our sounding board when it was just all of our venting and we end up getting bad relationship advice back from a skewed peephole perspective. Uh, that was one of the things Daniel had to help me work on is I was very much like, my friends are amazing. If you hurt my friends, I will come after you. you know, like, if my friend was hurt, what happened? Who, are we, who do I need to go get? You no, know? it wasn't and, who do I need to go get. It was and who, who are, are we, we mad, mad at? at? Yes, like, and how can I fix this? And to me, it felt very loving. Like, I love my friends. If somebody hurts my friend, then you know, I'm upset with them too. How dare they? But Daniel was quick to point out that that's called gossip. And I was like, oh. Well, ouch. <laughs> that hurt a little. And I'm like, but, but they're my friend. I want to know all the things. Well, are you helping them fix the things? Are you helping them walk through forgiveness and find the solution? Or are you just a sounding board? Because if you're just the sounding board, it's called gossip. I'm like, okay. Man, you're right. <laughs> Especially when you throw the Bible in there, you know. <laughs> but it's one of those things where we just have to be quick to say, oh, what does the Bible say about that? And how can I shift my life to my, mirror what the Bible says? And it's, it's such a powerful thing when we learn and go, okay, I'm going to love, I'm going to value people because Jesus valued people. He said, you know, you're going to love God and love other people. These are the most important commandments. And if I choose to cover people, it's going to bring all of our relationships to the next level. And as I, as I look and talk about this love, as I talk about covering to do it well, you need to know the master. You need to know the one who is love. You need to know the one who loved us first while we were still sinners. You need to know the one who extends forgiveness and removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. Who doesn't make a tally, doesn't make a list and go, here's every offense that you could possibly have done, but who goes, I want to forgive you. And if you don't know him, I want to give you an opportunity as we get ready to close to know him. I want to give you an opportunity to make him the Lord of your life. If you say, you know what, today I want to make him the Lord of my life. I want to know that love. I want to know that I'm right with God and I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you say, that's me. And I want to know Jesus. I want to give him my life. I want to receive his love and his forgiveness. And then get ready. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hands up. Or you can type it in the chat. Say, that's me. I, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome, I see your hand back there. Who else says that's me? Another one over here. Who else says that's me? This is the most important decision that anybody ever makes. Another one over here. 
All right. Awesome. Well, we're going to say a simple prayer. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I'm going to invite you to just join me as we pray. So go ahead and repeat after me. Say, God, thank you for loving me, even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.